Saturday. On these airwaves, it's the bonus half hour. My name's Casey Steed, Citizen Watch. On Research News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM. KYLS. That's right. All of the little communities out there, up and down the 99. And I guess Interstate 5, that runs up and down the uh, the county, doesn't it, too? You know who runs up and down the county? Benny! That's right. Oh, Benny! I tell you what, that dog, what a wonderful resource the CHP has. In Benny, I think every officer should have a Benny. Where are we here? Oh, we have to go out of the segment. I have to do everything myself. Unlike Dave Luna, you don't want to miss. Uh, you don't want to miss Dave. Later tonight, later today, this afternoon, what early evening? Boy, the sun doesn't set till almost eight o'clock now. It's absolutely wonderful out there. Spring. Hey, today is April. What is it? April twenty? No, seventeenth. Thinking of next weekend. Because next weekend, the bonus half hour, we're going to have the hot water spotlight. Mayor, Mayor Paul Creighton with Chief Salvador. That's right, the Savior. Of Atwater, Police Department coming over to talk about all things good in Atwater. A lot of changes over there, especially to City Hall. That'll be next week at 9 o'clock. But this week, it's me, the bonus half hour. We have uh, had took a little time off last week. The spring break, you know, the spring break, the kids. We had to get out there, cover everything that's going on. The uh, economy's reopening a little bit. So we apologize for uh, repeats last week, but we know you understood. Of course, this week, great guest. I played him at the 6 a.m. hour also because it was just such a great interview after I recorded it. Just warms the heart what the Baptists do here for not only our community, but the greater community in the Central Valley, benefiting a lot of people. Uh, really just amazing what Rob and Andrea do through the Hate Dust Project they have for several years, millions of dollars going to Ronald McDonald House, Make-A-Wish, very good charities. Is my understanding there's going to be, what is it, May 22nd? Finally, an in-person event. Even though it's going to be outside, the pods, you know, taped off, I don't care. It's going to be at the fairgrounds, I believe. May 22nd, the Make-A-Wish event, a wonderful event. I believe they'll have the silent auction, all kinds of great things. I tell you, they auction off some wonderful vacation rentals, things like that. Of course, the dessert auction. And Rob and Andrea Bapti, through the Hay Dust Project, through their efforts, and the efforts of their supporters have uh, have been uh, great, great, great contributors to fulfilling those wishes. I think Rob mentioned in the interview 45 wishes right now in the queue. And again, uh, hard to say no to. Any of those, so they need the money. I forget what the average wish is. It's uh, multiple thousands of dollars. And uh, the whole family's included, as you can imagine. Uh, very, very difficult, trying times. And it's something to, uh, you know, a little fun. Get the uh, get the mind off of things. Just like this show. And we're so happy to have you here with us. Again, Saturday morning, the bonus half hour. Oh, what's going on? So many things to talk about. We're a little backed up. Uh, because of there's so many things going on, I, it's kind of funny. Next week, 420 is the same day as Taco Tuesday. Now, this is going to be a clash of forces like you'll never seen. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I'm sure a lot of tacos will be consumed 
on uh, Taco Tuesday next next Tuesday. I went to the new restaurant over there in the El Capitan, the ground floor. What a beautiful, beautiful place. No, it wasn't Rainbird. They're not open yet. And it's my understanding, get this, it's my understanding, I think the manager, somebody there was telling us, they're going to remodel Rainbird before they open because they felt it looked a little too much like another uh, restaurant, a chain of restaurants, and they wanted to have their own identity. So that was really interesting. Again, just can't thank the people, the family, money that went into the renovations, not only at the El Capitan, but the Manger Theater and the Tioga Apartments. Uh, just wonderful, those renovations. It's just it's completely changed the downtown look of Merced and coupled with the zero tolerance, the no-go zone, the no, the no transient zone. Let me be gentle. Downtown, it is wonderful. I'll tell you, it's like you talk about a spring rain. I don't know what happened. We haven't had much rain, but you do not see the transients downtown. They don't dare transverse through downtown. They don't stop downtown. I haven't seen them on Main Street. It was such a pleasant experience eating lunch down at the new El Capitan. Of course, they have the outside, the alfresco dining along the sidewalk. I could really see. Of course, you know I'm a visionary. Sometimes, I don't know if it's hallucinations, but I could really see Merced Main Street being just like State Street in Santa Barbara. If you've ever been there, uh, that is quite the party spot. Again, a university town. And the outside, you know, again, the weather's probably a little nicer. but the, And maybe it's just this time of year. I don't know if you'd want to do it in the summer. But the outside dining, you know, Bob Hart Square, everything that's going on, Destino's. And now, over at the El Capitan. Just absolutely wonderful. And I hope they get Rainbird open soon. I'll tell you the other hot spot uh, that looked really neat is that courtyard. I, I know, I'm not, you know, the horse trailer. Yeah, you know, you see a lot of horse trailers around here. But the courtyard and the little waterfall they have, the terracotta fountain, and they have the uh, sunshades overhead to pull across. I was interested. I had to go, how long is this open till midnight, 2 o'clock? And Fidel, the manager, he goes, no, I, I wish, Casey. He goes, we have to shut it down at night. I said, why? He goes, the hotel guest. I'm like, oh, I forgot about them. Now, I'm thinking the hotel guests are probably going to be down there partying with the rest of Merced. But, you know, that place is going to be the place to go, I think. After hours, you know, after work, especially for the downtown crowd, especially when they get the UC Merced building back in operation. You know, we're not we're not quite there yet. You know, they say we're in the red. You know where we need to be? We need to be in the black, my friends. We need to get these businesses back open sooner than later. Forget 25%. You know, bursting at the seams. Bursting at the seams is what we need to get this to get to get this economy back on the road. I think we all understand the uh, scamarola that's been going on here with the numbers and the, the this and the that and the metrics. You know, we're going to go into the green June 15th no matter what. Really? Well, I guess there's some, you know, if there vaccines and the hospitalizations. What do you bet? As long as the numbers keep polling as they do for the governor, uh, we'll be in the green in June 15th. Probably he'd like to move that up to May if he'd had a choice. But the schools, there's certain things that are still a little bit of a sticking point. But businesses, they're ready to go. And the employees, I can tell you, are ready to go. Everybody was so happy. Uh, great staff over there. Really, really absolutely wonderful. Just couldn't say enough. And I, I think that's true everywhere I've been. And it, it's something that needs to open up. Last weekend, I just want to give a shout-out to Hornitos. 
the little town of Hornitos up in the foothills, Mariposa County, but still, we consider them our friends here in Merced County and uh, very close neighbors. Of course, the Gold Rush area, a lot of history up there. Beautiful this time of year. Beautiful this time of year. Pastoral scenes as you drive out along Highway 59 into River Valley, Lloyd Pereira's district. District, uh, what is that? District 5 out there, River Valley, Snelling. Used to be the county seat back in the day when the uh, when all the activity was along the river looking for the the yellow metal. Anyway, a beautiful event out there in Hornitos benefiting the uh, Farm Bureau out there. I believe their rib dinner. Wonderful rib, let me tell you. And I appreciate Ralph giving me tickets. A gracious host, a gracious individual, a big contributor to this community. Thank you again, Ralph. That was absolutely uh, wonderful of you to think of me. A wonderful event. You know, Manuela's, the little bar out there, they opened up. A lot of the uh, Plainsburg Mafia was out there. Just absolutely wonderful to see those folks. Big, big, big supporters of the show and of the community, might I add. Agriculture is where it's at if you haven't figured it out. Where water flows, food grows, and that's what we do. And Thank God the water's flowing this year through the good stewardship over there at MID, the board members, those folks over there. But again, a great event, supporting a great cause, and the food, oh, my word, those ribs, they had a, those ribs, rather, ribs, those ribs, they had a, a burn on them, a char, oh, it was just good, it was, and I don't mean they were burnt, it was just, it was just absolutely perfect, they were cooked to perfection, so that was a, that was a lot of fun out there. There was a cleanup going on today. Uh, I could be mistaken. I think it starts at 9 o'clock over there at the internment garden, the memorial garden over there at the, uh, I think it's the Unity Garden. Is that what they call it? At the fairgrounds. People may not remember or realize our history, but during World War II, the internment of the Japanese American citizens. The fairgrounds was one of the coalescing points before they were taken to different places. And there's a garden there that's somewhat gotten into a little bit of disrepair. You know, probably the COVID, nobody over there pulling the weeds. Springtime, now's the time to do that. And so they're having a little help over there. If you want to help out, go on over to the fairgrounds. I think you can just drive on in. Uh, let's see, a couple of things that were in the national news that I just wanted to make a couple of comments about. One of them was the uh, Army officer, I believe he was in the Army, he was in uniform, pulled over, uh, got in a uh, little dissertation there with the police officers about why he was being pulled over, that sort of thing. Uh, pepper spray was deployed, and it was, uh, you know, bad optics, didn't look good, I believe, the officer. One of the, There was two officers, one was a training officer, and uh, one was a rookie uh, being trained by this officer. The training officer was fired or, or resigned. The rookie, uh, because of some of his conduct uh, during the stop, was actually uh, just disciplined. I believe he still has his job. But everybody's talking about how the officer, the Army officer, was treated very badly and uh, wasn't given a chance. And he happened to be a man of color, BIPOC individual. My uh, just take on this, having dealt with the military down in San Diego from a law enforcement standpoint, is when you're in the military, uh, you're trained to respect command and when somebody tells you something you do it without questioning unequivocally because that's the way the military is so i think for this 
army officer, if that's what he was in, or whatever branch of the service, to disrespect and to disobey the commands of the officer, uh, to question the officer's commands was wrong. And I agree with the chief of police of that small town that said no apology is warranted to the officer, to the military officer, because really his behavior uh, was not appropriate. I'm, I'm not defending the police completely, but uh, again, these incidents seem to escalate from a lack of non-compliance. And I don't know where that comes from. It's certainly not taught in the military. And if you want your police to be police, they need compliance. I think people want their communities to be safe. They want their communities to be uh, policed in a way that the officers know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And the bad guys usually don't follow the rules. So when you come across somebody that's not following the rules or doesn't want to follow the rules or challenges your authority, you have to question that as an officer because most people want your authority to protect them, to challenge those people that may harm them. And when you get somebody that doesn't want to tell you who they are or wants to challenge, why are you pulling me over? Or, I don't want to go because I have a warrant. We saw that when, again, here in Minnesota, it's, it's amazing how almost a year later, it's not even May yet, of course, the George Floyd incident was a huge, huge incident in, a, in America. Here, even in Merced, I thought, you know, we just boarded the building up a, a year ago. Are we going to have to do that again with this latest incident in Minnesota where the young man was shot accidentally? I, I think it's pretty clear it was an accident to try to say this was racism of some sort. I believe the officer honestly made a mistake thinking that the taser uh, was in her hand. Instead, it was her firearm. I honestly don't know how she made the mistake, but that's how that's what you know really make mistakes hard to understand. And it reminds me of the situation that happened in Oakland not that long ago with the BART officer. When I say not that long ago, maybe a decade ago, 12 years ago, since tasers have been out there in the in the arsenal, if you will, of police officers, again, less than lethal. It's not non-lethal, but less than lethal, hopefully. And in the situation with the BART officer, they had an individual down, had been giving some problems, and the officer pulled his taser out. Unfortunately, it was his handgun and shot and killed the suspect. That officer, uh, again, was disciplined, I think, faced uh, some negligence charges. But it wasn't racism. It was, it was a training uh, issue. It was something that the de-escalation techniques weren't working uh, real well there. You heard her yell, taser, taser, taser. She, this is the same thing with the beanbag shotgun. The Again, less than lethal rounds. You've heard of the beanbags. They shoot them at suspects to try to disorientate them. Well, the shotguns we used on the San Diego Police Force were bright orange. Because the regular shotguns in the car with the double-aught buck. You know, what was that, 8 or 12, 38 caliber pellets? That had ruin your day. You definitely don't want to pull out the wrong shotgun when you're dealing uh, the wrong uh, weapon because they're both the same. They're both the Remington 870. They they uh, look the same except for that orange polymer stock that tells you that, hey, it's a beanbag gun. And the, and the big thing there is making sure you load it with the bean beanbag rounds because when you get in the car, there's two shotguns to load. And I can tell you that that has happened 
where folks uh, have accidentally put the wrong shells in the wrong gun. Nothing's happened at the end of shift. They unload it, and oh, oh, boy, that's a good thing we didn't have to pull that out. So accidents, mistakes do happen. But to put everything on racism, what is wrong? With our country, when everything is looked at through the optics of your skin color, it just amazes me. It just amazes me how far backwards we've come since Martin Luther King talked about that in his I Have a Dream speech and other things that he did in his life. It's like we've forgotten about the content of character and we focus more on the color of skin. Hey, let's finish up the rest of the bonus half hours. I said next week. You're not going to want to miss it. The Atwater Spotlight with Chief Michael Salvador. That's right. The chief himself is going to be in here. I'm just going to be running the buttons. Believe me, I'm not going to say a word. He's going to be in here with uh, Mayor Paul Creighton talking about all kinds of good things. Lots of good things going on over there at Atwater. They They may even get a clock tower. You know that? Let's talk a little bit about the uh, city council meeting that's going to happen Monday night. At the city of Merced, pretty uh, pretty light schedule, but then some pretty heavy topics. Uh, closed session, I don't know, lawsuits, workers' comp, stuff like that. They're also going to talk about surface water purchases from the MID uh, between the city and the Merced Irrigation District. I think that's a great thing. I hope those are going well. I've seen this uh, real property negotiation uh, item on the closed session for some time. Of course, you know, we're not really privy to what goes on in closed session, but you can read between the lines, surface water purchase uh, from MID. And so hopefully, because the deep water wells, I'll tell you, they're they're unsustainable, especially with Sigma, those type of things. We really need to improve our surface water deliveries, especially for some of our landscaping, some of those things. Uh, Ceremonial matter, Arbor Day. Now that has to do with trees, I believe. We, We used to be Tree City USA. I think we still are. I've teased uh, recently, we're clear-cut city USA because the trees seem to be dying. The Modesto ash, well, they didn't do well during the drought, and the city decided not to uh, water the uh, strips of land there, the green uh, areas between the sidewalk and the curb with any kind of effluent from the sewage plant. But So now you'll see them you know, laying on their side all cut up, ready for somebody to use in their fireplace or a homeless camp. Because they're rotting from the inside out. But again, it's Arbor Day, so hopefully we'll remember that we were Tree City USA and start planting some more trees. We go on. The consent item uh, may not be any discussion. They're going to accept $147,000 from the California DOJ. This is for the tobacco shoulder tap. Uh, You know, don't don't sell tobacco to kids. Marijuana, well, I don't know. This is just tobacco. Uh, You know, they're going to, uh, I think it's a three-year operation, three-year grant. $147,000. $147,000. You know what it does is pays for some officers. I mean, come on, let's talk about it. Okay, then what do we go? Ah, let's see, award, uh, TBS con. Ah, they're going to do some improvements over there on N Street. $962,000, almost a million dollars. I looked at the bid results. Very close bids. I like how the bids are getting closer. Almost a little less than $100,000 on on a million dollars worth of work with five bidders. I'll tell you, that's close, man. Ah, what else are they going to do? Merced Rescue, Rescue Mission excuse me, is going to get some money. $325,000, Hope for Families Project. This is where they go out and buy homes. Try to put the homeless up in them. Really good project. Uh, also, the, uh, who else is getting money? The Merced Rescue Mission. And somebody, oh, Sierra Saving Grace. Should have guessed. Sierra Saving Grace. 
You're getting $434,000 supportive housing project. Very similar. Also in the agenda, as I go through, God, we only got four minutes left. Uh, accepting a grant from the uh, state uh, community corrections, uh, $885,000 is going to go to the probation department, come to the city by way of the recreation department. Three-year program, 40 individuals each year will be referred by the schools. These are at-risk individuals in uh, maybe getting in trouble. They don't want them to go into the you know the prison pipeline, if you will. So this is a diversionary program, giving them some opportunities, some stipends, uh, things like that to work at the city of Merced. Uh, we've been assured that they will work in non-secure areas. Uh, so there's no problem, you know, them getting your utility bill information and you buying a uh, Winnebago or something. But a good program to try to divert the youth uh, from uh, further incarceration. $40,000, excuse me, 40 people a year, three years, $885,000. Then we go on, we go on and on and on. I'm trying to read, boy, my notes are kind of. Kind of crap. Oh, inclusionary zoning. Now, this is a big one. Uh, Muy big. And I, I don't know how the development community feels about that. I went through the PowerPoint presentation. Obviously, there's a lot of verbal stuff that isn't listed, uh, how they feel about it. This is basically making the developers, builders, five units or more, provide affordable housing. Uh, no uh, getting out of it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. They have models, Davis, Petaluma, really Restrictive, again, the assault on private property rights continues. Then we go on to the Merced Current Gift Card Program. This was the gift bar program. I don't know if you, like me, are still getting the spam emails, because I did redeem my car card. Started out as 50 bucks, uh, ended up as 25 to every resident with an address in the city of Merced. Half a million dollar program. Guess what? Only 50% have been redeemed. That means only... 50% have gone to the intended causes, which was the businesses. Now we're in the red. Now we're opening up. What do we do with the other $250,000? i have had a couple of thoughts. Let's just forgive everybody's delinquent utility bills, water and sewer. You know, let's have a reset starting, I don't know what, July. How about January 15th or June 15th when, the, when we're in the red? Or now they're talking about giving everybody another 25 bucks. Oh, my gosh. You're going to do this again? And here's the rub. They got to pay another three thousand to gift bar for administrative fees. So no cost to the city because we still have two hundred fifty thousand in the kitty, but we still need uh, you know a little more administrative fee. I don't know how hard it is <laughs> to get twenty five dollars into the hands of every resident. I mean, they could have just opened a window down there and checked off a box. I don't know, like voting or something. But maybe you would have had. I don't know. Did you have to have an ID? But this gift bar program, they're still going to limp it along. And they're going to talk about it. The other thing they're going to talk about, boy, we're out of time. The other thing they're going to talk about is whether they'll have in-person's me in-person meetings. Uh, I would just like to put in my two cents. It's time. Let's uh, let's start those uh, again. I think it's time to uh, get back in the chambers, be able to petition our government to see our representatives. Isn't it time? We've been closed a year. It's 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 time. It's time. We're, we're in the green. We need to get the businesses in the black. Unfortunately, we're in the uh, we're out of time here. I tell you, it goes quick. So happy that you've been with us this Saturday. If you didn't catch that Rob Bapti interview, all the good things he's doing over there at the Hate Dust Project, go to 1480kyos.com. Podcasts, it's all right there. Just tab down. Make sure you go to the right website, 1480kyos.com. You can't miss it. 
Well, my name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM. Mr. Mr. Misunderstood sometimes, but uh, hopefully you understand where we're coming from. We just love this city. We love this valley. And we love you. We'll see you next week.